The Stolen White Elephant by Mark Twain, Section 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. The Stolen White Elephant by Mark Twain, read by John Greenman. Note. Left out of A Tramp Abroad, because it was feared that some of the particulars had been exaggerated, and that others were not true. Before these suspicions had been proven groundless, the book had gone to press. M. T. Chapter 1 The following curious history was related to me by a chance railway acquaintance. He was a gentleman more than seventy years of age, and his thoroughly good and gentle face, and earnest and sincere manner, imprinted the unmistakable stamp of truth upon every statement which fell from his lips. He said, you know in what reverence the royal white elephant of siam is held by the people of that country you know it is sacred to kings only kings may possess it and that it is indeed in a measure even superior to kings since it receives not merely honor but worship very well five years ago when the troubles concerning the frontier line arose between Great Britain and Siam, it was presently manifest that Siam had been in the wrong. Therefore, every reparation was quickly made, and the British representative stated that he was satisfied and the past should be forgotten. This greatly relieved the King of Siam, and partly as a token of gratitude, but partly also, perhaps, to wipe out any little remaining vestige of unpleasantness which England might feel toward him, he wished to send the Queen a present. The sole sure way of propitiating an enemy, according to Oriental ideas. This present ought not only to be a royal one, but transcendently royal wherefore what offering could be so meet as that of a white elephant my position in the indian civil service was such that i was deemed peculiarly worthy of the honor of conveying the present to her majesty a ship was fitted out for me and my servants and the officers and attendants of the elephant and in due time i arrived in new york harbor and placed my royal charge in admirable quarters in Jersey City. It was necessary to remain a while in order to recruit the animal's health before resuming the voyage. All went well during a fortnight. Then my calamities began. The white elephant was stolen. I was called up at dead of night and informed of this fearful misfortune. For some moments I was beside myself with terror and anxiety. I was helpless. Then I grew calmer and collected my faculties. I soon saw my course, for indeed there was but the one course for an intelligent man to pursue. Late as it was, I flew to New York and got a policeman to conduct me to the headquarters of the detective force. Fortunately, I arrived in time, though the chief of the force, the celebrated Inspector Blunt, was just on the point of leaving for his home. He was a man of middle size and compact frame, and when he was thinking deeply he had a way of knitting his brows and tapping his forehead reflectively with his finger, 
which impressed you at once with the conviction that you stood in the presence of a person of no common order. The very sight of him gave me confidence, and made me hopeful. I stated my errand. It did not flurry him in the least. It had no more visible effect upon his iron self-possession than if I had told him somebody had stolen my dog. He motioned me to a seat, and said calmly, "'Allow me to think a moment, please.' So saying, he sat down at his office-table, and leaned his head upon his hand. Several clerks were at work at the other end of the room. The scratching of their pens was all the sound I heard during the next six or seven minutes. Meantime the inspector sat there, buried in thought. Finally he raised his head, and there was that in the firm lines of his face which showed me that his brain had done its work, and his plan was made. Said he, and his voice was low and impressive, "'This is no ordinary case. Every step must be warily taken. Each step must be made sure before the next is ventured. And secrecy must be observed, secrecy profound and absolute. Speak to no one about the matter, not even the reporters. I will take care of them. I will see that they get only what it may suit my ends to let them know.' He touched a bell. A youth appeared. "'Alaric, tell the reporters to remain for the present.' The boy retired. "'Now let us proceed to business, and systematically. Nothing can be accomplished in this trade of mine without strict and minute method.' He took a pen and some paper. "'Now, name of the elephant. Hassan, Ben, Ali, Ben, Selim, Abdallah, Mohammed, Moise, Alamal, Jamsedji Jebui, Dulip, Sultan, Abu, Budpur. Very well. Given name? Jumbo. Very well. Place of birth? The capital city of Siam. Parents living? No. Dead. Had they any other issue besides this one? None. He was an only child. Very well. These matters are sufficient under that head. Now please describe the elephant, and leave out no particular, however insignificant, that is, insignificant from your point of view. To men in my profession there are no insignificant particulars. They do not exist. I described, he wrote. When I was done, he said, Now listen. If I have made any mistakes, correct me. He read as follows. Height, nineteen feet. Length from apex of forehead to insertion of tail, twenty-six feet. Length of trunk, sixteen feet. Length of tail, six feet. Total length, including trunk and tail, forty-eight feet. Length of tusks, nine and a half feet. Ears in keeping with these dimensions. Footprint resembles the mark left when one upends a barrel in the snow. Color of the elephant? A dull white. Has a hole the size of a plate in each ear for the insertion of jewelry, and possesses the habit in a remarkable degree of squirting water upon spectators, and of maltreating with his trunk not only such persons as he is acquainted with, but even entire strangers limps slightly with his right hind leg, 
and has a small scar in his left armpit caused by a former boil head on when stolen a castle containing seats for fifteen persons and a gold cloth saddle blanket the size of an ordinary carpet there were no mistakes the inspector touched the bell handed the description to larrick and said have fifty thousand copies of this printed at once and mailed to every detective office and pawnbroker's shop on the continent alaric retired there so far so good next i must have a photograph of the property i gave him one he examined it critically and said it must do since we can do no better but he has his trunk curled up and tucked into his mouth that is unfortunate and is calculated to mislead for of course he does not usually have it in that position he touched his bell alaric have fifty thousand copies of this photograph made the first thing in the morning and mail them with the descriptive circulars alaric retired to execute his orders the inspector said it will be necessary to offer a reward of course now as to the amount what sum would you suggest to begin with i should say well twenty five thousand dollars it is an intricate and difficult business there are a thousand avenues of escape and opportunities of concealment these thieves have friends and pals everywhere bless me do you know who they are the wary face practised in concealing the thoughts and feelings within gave me no token nor yet the replying words so quietly uttered never mind about that i may and i may not we generally gather a pretty shrewd inkling of who our man is by the manner of his work and the size of the game he goes after we are not dealing with a pickpocket or a hall thief now make up your mind to that this property was not lifted by a novice but as i was saying considering the amount of travel which will have to be done and the diligence with which the thieves will cover up their traces as they move along twenty-five thousand may be too small a sum to offer yet i think it worth while to start with that so we determined upon that figure as a beginning then this man whom nothing escaped which could by any possibility be made to serve as a clue said there are cases in detective history to show that criminals have been detected through peculiarities in their appetites now what does this elephant eat and how much well as to what he eats he will eat anything he will eat a man he will eat a bible he will eat anything between a man and a bible good very good indeed but too general details are necessary details are the only valuable things in our trade very well as to men at one meal or if you prefer during one day how many men will he eat if fresh he would not care whether they were fresh or not at a single meal he would eat five ordinary men very good five men we will put that down what nationalities would he prefer he is indifferent about nationalities he prefers acquaintances but is not prejudiced against strangers very good now as to bibles how many bibles would he eat at a meal 
he would eat an entire edition it is hardly succinct enough do you mean the ordinary octavo or the family illustrated i think he would be indifferent to illustrations that is i think he would not value illustrations above simple letterpress no you do not get my idea i refer to bulk the ordinary octavo bible weighs about two pounds and a half while the great quarto with the illustrations weighs ten or twelve how many door bibles would he eat at a meal if you knew this elephant you could not ask he would take what they had well put it in dollars and cents then we must get at it somehow the door costs a hundred dollars a copy russian leather beveled he would require about fifty thousand dollars worth say an edition of five hundred copies now that is more exact i will put that down very well he likes men and bibles so far so good what else will he eat i want particulars he will leave bibles to eat bricks he will leave bricks to eat bottles he will leave bottles to eat clothing he will leave clothing to eat cats he will leave cats to eat oysters he will leave oysters to eat ham he will leave ham to eat sugar he will leave sugar to eat pie he will leave pie to eat potatoes he will leave potatoes to eat bran he will leave bran to eat hay he will leave hay to eat oats he will leave oats to eat rice for he was mainly raised on it there is nothing whatever that he will not eat but european butter and he would eat that if he could taste it very good general quantity at a meal say about well anywhere from a quarter to half a ton and he drinks everything that is fluid milk water whiskey molasses castor oil camphene carbolic acid it is no use to go into particulars whatever fluid occurs to you set it down he will drink anything that is fluid except european coffee very good as to quantity put it down five to fifteen barrels his thirst varies his other appetites do not these things are unusual they ought to furnish quite good clues toward tracing him he touched the bell alaric summon captain burns burns appeared inspector blunt unfolded the whole matter to him detail by detail then he said in the clear decisive tones of a man whose plans are clearly defined in his head and who is accustomed to command captain burns detail detectives jones davis halsey bates and hackett to shadow the elephant yes sir detail detectives moses dakin murphy rogers tupper higgins and bartholomew to shadow the thieves yes sir place a strong guard a guard of thirty picked men with a relief of thirty over the place from whence the elephant was stolen to keep strict watch there night and day and allow none to approach except reporters without written authority from me yes sir place detectives in plain clothes in the railway steamship and ferry depots 
and upon all roadways leading out of jersey city with orders to search all suspicious persons yes sir furnish all these men with photograph and accompanying description of the elephant and instruct them to search all trains and outgoing ferry-boats and other vessels yes sir if the elephant should be found let him be seized and the information forwarded to me by telegraph yes sir let me be informed at once if any clues should be found footprints of the animal or anything of that kind yes sir get an order commanding the harbor police to patrol the frontages vigilantly yes sir dispatch detectives in plain clothes over all the railways north as far as canada west as far as ohio south as far as washington yes sir place experts in all the telegraph offices to listen to all messages and let them require that all cipher dispatches be interpreted to them yes sir let all these things be done with the utmost secrecy mind the most impenetrable secrecy yes sir report to me promptly at the usual hour yes sir go yes sir he was gone inspector blunt was silent and thoughtful a moment while the fire in his eye cooled down and faded out then he turned to me and said in a placid voice i am not giving to boasting it is not my habit but we shall find the elephant i shook him warmly by the hand and thanked him and i felt my thanks too the more i had seen of the man the more i liked him and the more i admired him and marveled over the mysterious wonders of his profession then we parted for the night and i went home with a far happier heart than i had carried with me to his office End of chapter one